You know, it was out there when BlackBerry decided to stop putting tissue boxes in the lunchrooms because it was costing us $120,000 a year on tissue boxes, right? Like it was, like I was there for these crazy thought conversations, right? It's just like, cut the tissue. Bring your own Kleenex. You got a runny nose? Bring your own Kleenex. <laughs> so made some really wonky decisions that don't seem like sound silly, but culturally, you might just sit around being like, yo, they just took all the tissue boxes out of the tissue. Like, oh, that's a lunch room. Should we be finding other jobs? Turnover can cost your company time, energy, money, and impact morale. It's a killer. But in an economic downturn, you might not be able to throw around raises. So, is there anything you can do to retain your people when budgets are tight? This is The Culture Clinic, where my co-founder, Skay, and I are constantly learning from HR experts how to build a culture where people love to work. My name's Joe, I'm the co-founder here at Gusto, and today we're joined by Kwesi Thomas, an HR expert in rewards and recognition. Kwesi, let's get into this week's topic, employee retention on a tight budget. What's the longest you've ever stayed in a job and what, what motivated you to stay? Um, I stayed about seven years, give or take a few months at Nortel. And then I stayed about seven years, give or take a few months at BlackBerry. So about the same amount of time. Be remiss if I didn't say both of them were definitely under some budget constraints during the large portions of the times that I was there. Um, so uh, what's what motivated me? I had a lot of good opportunities and work to do. And I got to work with some really smart people at the time as well. So I think the mixture of those two things really kept me engaged. Um, I know both those companies were letting off a lot of people at the time, were letting go a lot of people during my time there. And though that was difficult to be around and then be a part of, I think for me, I got to be a, to pick up projects. I get to work on things that otherwise my, you know, tenure or my job experience probably wouldn't have let me, me do. And so I think that work, the engaging work I got to do was really good. And I think the leaders, some of the leaders I was working for at the time were also really, really good. So it sounds like uh, meaningful work and amazing team members was a big driver to your loyalty. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, I, mean, I, I know Shelly DaCosta sometimes does these cl culture clinics as well. At one point, Shelly was my leader at, at, at BlackBerry and, uh, and I got to work for her for a while. That kept me there because, you know, she was really engaged. She really trusted the work I was doing and she was quick to recognize um, throughout the process for a lot of things. I think that kept me there as well. So seven years at uh, a number of places, you're a pretty loyal guy considering how retention or how uh, loyalty has changed over time, right? Yeah. Like baby boomers on average stayed with a company for about 10 years. Millennials are now less than two and that number's just going down with Gen Z, so. Yeah, I like sticking around. I should, I should be remiss not to say the Nortel one, there was another factor. They had a great education program. Oh. It was a larger company, and as long as you passed your course, they reimbursed you for the course in the textbooks. So I did my entire undergrad at night while working at Nortel because as long as I passed my course, I got that course reimbursed. So I did my undergrad through the education program at Nortel. So thank you, Nortel, for my undergrad. <laughs> Amazing, yeah, you know that, that makes me think a little bit, right? Like most of my career I've worked for myself, so it's been a little bit different. <laughs> uh, but thinking about at least our team members yeah. at Gusto, Gustomians, you know, the ones who have been here the longest, we, you know, we often hear from them that a big reason they love to, you know, stay with the company is around the culture that we've built as well as the people programs. And so, you know, you touched on the education program at BlackBerry. What can you do to keep people if you can't afford significant raises? Like what strategies have you seen work well in the past? 
seen and actually tried a few of them myself as as looks I was leading rewards for some of those times um, in some of those companies, particularly BlackBerry, where we were cutting a lot of spending and they weren't doing raises, weren't doing bonuses, et cetera. And looking to still keep people engaged. So the, the one right off the top, we we kept our recognition program as long as we could financially. We we kept we kept that program. We had a lot of debates about turning it into like a you know a non monetary program because of the costs, but eventually kept it as long as we could as monetary as we could because that was a way to immediately report people and kind of do that in a large way across a number of like a large number of people. So we, we definitely um state investment in our recognition program that was but not an easy discussion and an easy thing to do when you're cutting other budgets we did a lot of of, of job development or job sharing or, or project sharing where people could take opportunities to help other areas or even their own teams in projects or in work where there was a space that needed filling and so even myself i remember i took on a few people who were on secondment to help me with a project for a while for a completely different area like marketing just because that person wanted to be interested it was interested in that work so i think if you can find ways to make people are doing good work and they're so engaged in the work they're doing, great. I think the tendency is to double down and be like, do more of the same job <laughs> because we need it. And I think you have to find some ways to engage people in a different way there. And then you still have to, for me, you still have to keep the culture, what makes the environment, the environment alive. And that doesn't mean for some people who have like, you know, food on lunches and food and beer and all sorts of stuff, that might not be the right thing or be too costly, but you've got to find ways to still have people involved in stand-ups or involved in potlucks or whatever those things are that make the culture the culture that you had before the um you know financial challenges you might be going through or the smaller budgets there's a couple of things anyway yeah so it sounds like kind of really leaning into your culture is a, is a great way to keep people engaged if if you're not able to give significant raises and right. you touched on uh, something interesting which was great to hear that blackberry you know stayed with their recognition program uh, despite sort of financial woes. Yeah. It's really interesting because the studies show that, you know, if you were to give somebody a 1% raise, mm -hmm. it would create no impact. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's it's so small that people may not even notice the, the change on their, you know, biweekly or, or, or monthly pay stub. Um, however, if you're to invest 1% of payroll towards recognition, that investment alone can be transformative as an at an organization, and so um, it's really interesting and cool to hear that you know you all invested heavily in recognition at BlackBerry despite some financial struggles. Yeah, and not it's not easy to keep those type of programs, but you're bang on, Joe. Like that that one percent. I've been in rooms where I've had to justify that spend. I've said one percent in a salary divided over fifty two weeks or how many ever payroll cycles taxed, et cetera, it, 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 it's not that it's not meaningful, but it's, it gets lost. That same 1% that could be 400, 500, $1,000, whatever that right number is, given this recognition one, two, three times in the year as a lump, but when, when it's meaningful, way more impactful. Totally. Okay. So let's, let's stay on this thread just, just for a little bit longer. So aside from pay, what in your opinion is the most significant motivator of people at work? The work itself. There's lots of programs, you know, there are benefit programs or other programs that you could put in there that are important to people. But I think that we are what really, you know, what, what people really get engaged in, especially as, as the world continues to evolve, I think as the work itself is what pe keeps people engaged and working for someone that they could buy into, not necessarily the whole company's strategy. I know that's important too, not, not knocking that, but I think people want to have a leader they can get behind and follow and believe in and, and, and jump on the ride with. And I think that's incredibly important. So between the work itself and the person that you're working with for as a leader, I think you need to be, both have to be um, 
meaningful to you for that to work. And how important is it for an employee to believe in the purpose of the company? Man, I'm going to get myself in trouble. It is important. <laughs> but I, for me, it's important, but it's also, uh, for some people, it's one step removed for a lot of jobs, right? Some companies find that magic Kool-Aid that per, like permeates the company and everyone believes into the, the, like everyone's kind of tied into the company's bigger purpose. I've experienced that with, um, with Shopify in particular. Like they did such a great job of tying everyone into the whole, the supporting and being a part of entrepreneurs and supporting the entrepreneurial journey. But I think that was, that, that was bigger than the individual teams, departments, managers, et cetera, goals. But that's that for me that you don't see that often. Right. And so it's important, but you've still got to have, you know, the direct, you know, direct work and people that they're working with still be, I think trumps it on most jobs. Again, staying with this theme around tight budgets. Yep. Which do you feel is more important, salaries or benefits? So if you're going through tough times, which one do you sacrifice first? Salary or benefits? Yeah. Oh boy. That is a culture to say that's a hard one. Um, you can't cut salaries easily. So let's put that one aside because that's very hard to do. You can find some savings and benefits. Um, though changing benefits always affects, some, you, you know, always affects someone or some group of people more than you would expect or more than you know. And so it's difficult to pull back post-retirement benefits. So it's difficult to change, reduce the the cap on dental or doing, you know, it's difficult to change those things because there's going to be some very, you know, some group that's more affected and cares more about it. Although I don't, I do think that that, if it's a reasonable change in benefits, that's probably the way I would go before I would change on salaries. And then rather than changing salaries, so rather than cutting salaries, yeah, just really limiting salary incre increases. That's what, I was, that's what I probably more refer to. I, reducing salaries is very hard to do. Yeah. And what are your thoughts around this sort of concept of, well, one, you hear a lot of companies are laying people off right now, especially in tech. And in large part, that could be due to mismanagement. And so what companies are doing, you know, overspending mismanagement. So what's, what companies are doing is they are just cutting heads, right? They're, but there are, uh, there's a small, probably very small subset of companies that are, that are going about it a little bit differently and saying, look, we need to cut spending rather than cutting jobs. We propose, you know, everyone, including senior leaders, are taking a pay cut. Have you ever seen a scenario where that's been a successful sort of approach to reducing? I, I mean, I haven't. I've never been a part of anybody who's made the decision to do it. I've been in conversations as an option. Uh, I, for me personally, I, it's not something I'd, I'd, I'd advocate for. I think it's it's difficult to keep. You know, if you've got a thousand people and you can afford eight hundred. Make taking everyone's salary down by 20% or trying to get people reduced by 20% versus removing the 20% of people. I think, though, I think it's a hard, both are harder decisions. My my experience, I would go with move with removing the 200 people rather than everyone taking a cut, primarily because I think culture wise, you, you, it's going to be painful that the, the actual reduction is going to be painful, but it'll end at some point. And versus if you've reduced all, if you've moved everyone down, I don't know when that pain stops for the thousand people, I was, I, I, you know, um, and, and that's, again, there are arguments both ways. That's where I would go. And how would you feel if you got offered uh, the ability to stay, but your pay was cut by 10 or 20%? Probably the definition of quiet quitting. Um, <laughs> I would probably be, you know, for like most people who have mortgages and bills and things to pay, the immediate answer would probably be yes. The longer term answer would be until I find something that was at the value I thought I was worth. 
And so I think it's, uh, I think most people, this is my concern with that approach. And I think it prolongs or gives people an off board, but it does that for everyone. It doesn't do that for a subset of people. And so for me, I wouldn't, I, I'd probably say yes, because I have people to care for, <laughs> but after that, I would um, probably be looking. You know, thinking about this concept of um, whether you were, you know, whether you trim headcount in yep. t- economic times, because you need to bring your spending down or you're reducing pay and salary across the board, what about offering a pay reduction that comes along with a reduction in work hours? So for example, a 20% pay cut, but you're moving to a four-day uh, work week. Any thoughts around that? I think, I think there'll be some portion of your, like like anything else, there'll be some portion of the, the people involved who would be happy with that change. Those people who can, to be very frank, afford the financial change, but it, but afford the financial change but also be happy with the increased probably life you know time that they have and so there will be some people who will be happy in that situation there'll be some people who will say you know they needed the 20 percent pay for their life for their finances right and so i think it's an interesting option to give to people um especially when the work is there i think doing any of these things in broad like we're gonna do this to everyone is really you know i would shy away from Right, there may be some people that you can that you know their work is like that. You know their life style might be that way. You may want to op- approach them or approach that option for them. And there might be people who give the option to in general, knowing that most won't take it or couldn't take it. Well, there are some people, you know, uh, especially some people in the workforce who are earlier in their careers who may be very happy to have three days and <laughs> be able to work for four or work for and have three off. If you have to cut benefits, how do you do it without having a significant impact on morale? That's a great question. I think this is about communication, not about what you've cut. And so assuming you're cutting something reasonable, that's understandable. People can understand the logic behind it. I think for the most part, it's about communicating people being really transparent about what you've changed and why and the impact of it, right? And, and quite frankly, most benefit cycles or benefits for new, we're, as HR leaders, we're making this, this decision anyway. It may not be broad and be a larger number, but every time we go through this renewal process, we're all looking at Where's the spend being used? Where can we be more effective with that spend? Are we keeping it the same way? And so we're doing this normally. We're just not doing it in large, you know, large chunks where everyone notices that we've removed something or we've reduced something. In the spirit of uh, times are tough economically, and um, maybe the coffers are not filled with cash that are ready to deploy into big raises. And so if a company is thinking about finding other ways to engage their people, show them that they care and looking to sort of like invest in people programs. Can you think about any people programs that are extremely high value, right? So like the amount that we need to invest in that program and sort of the perceived value by the employee is tremendous. Can you think of any that are uh, extremely impactful? So learning and development, you usually can do that and you know you can affect more people you know you can affect a lot of people with a, with a um a smaller investment and i think learning development true learning development meets my two cents generally not these like here's access to a website with 100 courses i think that's good but not uh as impactful bonus programs work well when they're properly aligned but i know that's still cash but it's always cash if you've achieved what you need to achieve um that works really well I, I'm, I'm going to say recognition, but I, I don't want to, you know, say it just people think I'm going to say it. Recognition does have an outstretched return for me. So I think recognition does really well there. The challenge, my, what I'm thinking through is that a lot of the programs that might like a lot of the culture programs beat around time off or 
food or other engagement activities, those are also hard to do at that time because you need that from the team to probably go through the, the troubles you're having, right? And so it's difficult to say those programs have high returns, but they're usually not really great or feasible options at the time when you've got challenges, right? So for me, you know, if you have to strip down to bare bones, you've got to pay, you've got to have some benefits, definitely keep recognition. Love it. Joe, question for you. Yeah, Henny. I mean, this the, the topic one can never feel, it's, it's a heavy one. Whenever you're talking about smaller budgets, you're usually talking about constriction or, you know, not doing bonuses or salary issues or taking away support benefits. It's a difficult topic. It's, not a, it, it's a difficult one, which creates a lot of tension in companies. I'm sure I shared a lot of opinions. Are there anything you thought, okay, that's he's out to lunch <laughs> or I wouldn't have done it that way. I'm curious. And it don't kind of be that, 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 that negative, but I'm curious for anything. And we can rephrase this question, Kyle, if it's not so long winded, I'm just figuring out how to word it. But are there anything that you were like, you know what, that's a different approach. I wouldn't have gone that way. I don't know that, I don't know that you've said anything that I have a, a grossly different opinion on. Yeah. I think that, um, your comments around meaningful work, creating loyalty through uh, great leadership, you know, all those things apply in my mind. Um, and I'm also a very big believer in the culture side and people programs that can have sort of like outsized benefits versus salary. Now, I think that as a baseline, you have to pay people appropriately, right? Like people right paid within the appropriate band that they're in but if economic headwinds are such that there is a recession and you're doing everything you can to not lay people off i do think that investing in culture and investing in people programs is a great way to you know keep morale high and show people that you care about them because people do want to know that a company and their leader and manager cares about them personally. And so if you can do those things, I really do think that you can create an environment where people want to stay, even if you're not paying at the top of the band, for example. So I think you you made some great points. And I, I think for the most part, I'm in agreement with you. I really, you highlighted learning and development as an area where People can extract a lot of value. I, I, I see that for sure. People want to continue to to learn and grow. And if you can support them to do that and help them a career path and give them sort of line of sight into how to, you know, continue to evolve as a as a work person, then I think there's tremendous benefit there. So for me, I, I know Joe is a big energy guy and I know this topic. I was like, this is not one of the fun ones, right? Just because it's it's never fun going through these times. And for HR leaders like myself. You're making really hard decisions that are affecting people's lives. And sometimes at scale, it, it's not easy, right? Um, and so there's never, it, it almost feels like there's never a right answer, but you've got to make a decision to some things. And so um, doing the best you can, I think is, is, is hard in these situations, but I do think fight for the plan that you've made. If you made a plan and it includes keeping recognition, you fight for that plan and do your best with it. If it includes learning development, then you fight for that. It's really difficult when you don't have a plan and you just keep cutting and cutting and cutting and you end up in a place you're not happy, right? If you want to create a culture that no one wants to leave, check out Culture is the Ultimate Advantage, our free guide to creating a work environment that attracts, engages, and retains people. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to follow us so you don't miss an episode. And don't forget to recognize someone for a job well done today. Mucho gusto.